there's kind of a critical mass. We do need to find alternatives and get people using other modes of transportation. But taking away lanes and making it impossible for people to get to work, not, not giving them alternatives first, is kind of putting the cart before the horse. You know, I would like to see the city looking at building a grid of local bikeways, getting people used to the idea of taking their bikes on local trips, you know, those two, three-mile rides, get used to the idea maybe of being on a bike. And maybe you get a little more empathetic the next time you're driving by a cyclist. You realize, oh, hey, you know what? I know what that feels like. I'm going to give them a little bit more room. Instead of creating this kind of aggression that's inherent in alienating in, in kind of all this rhetoric, this bikes versus cars, war on cars, war on bikes kind of idea, I just think there's a much better way to build bridges between the communities and, and help move people toward accepting bikes on the road and toward getting on the bikes themselves. So on with John Russo and Carla Mendelson of Keep LA Moving. And do you want to say what kind of a group that is? Um, you know, we're a grassroots group that uh, got together uh, out of the Playa del Rey um, road diets, and uh, we've kind of expanded as other parts of the city have reached out to us as they've been dealing with some of the unfortunate consequences that uh, happened when road diets came to their part of town. Well, you say when it came to, so it started with the Playa del Rey road diets, mm -hmm. and what do you mean when it came to their part of town? You know, Mar Vista has been dealing with uh, a road diet, and, and theirs actually started before Playa del Rey, um, Silver Lake, you know, other areas. We've, we've, gotten, we've actually gotten uh, queries from people all over the country um, asking about, you know, what we've been learning about road diets. And um, we're, uh, John's been delving very deeply, and some of our other people have been delving really deeply into the statistics and the studies and, you know, learning that while road diets absolutely have their place in the street safety toolbox, that they're actually categorically not recommended by every expert uh, for arterial, what amount to arterial roadways. Well, now, if you don't mind me, I, I know I'm trying to have you on here to represent yourselves without being, you know, uh, thrown off course. I want you to feel, you know, because you say that's happened. You've been mischaracterized and everything. But, right, I, I mean, is that how you would characterize it? Well, uh, I wouldn't say never, maybe mischaracterize is a, is a strong word, but I'd say a lot of people make assumptions about uh, what we think and, and who we are and, and where we're coming from. And, and, you know, actually you're the first uh, group from the other side of this debate that's actually reached out to us and actually talked to us. So it's, I, I find it kind of humorous that people purport to know what I'm thinking and what I'm about, but they've actually never even spoken to me. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say maybe not mischaracterized, but a lot of people tend to make assumptions, uh, assumptions that aren't true, by the okay. way. So, well, one, one such assumption, maybe uh, you would call it, is, you know, when you say, Carla, that all, that all the experts uh, don't advise road diets, I mean, I've, there's, there's, there's something going around uh, to the effect that this is sort of alternate facts. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't say, I mean, to say all experts, what we could say is that both the Los Angeles Department of Transportation, uh, they take their guidance from the Federal Highway Administration, and they say that road diets aren't recommended for streets of beyond 20,000 cars per day. Now, there are some cities that have put the upper, upper limit at 25,000. I've seen Seattle, Washington's Department of Transportation puts that limit at 25,000 cars per day. Um, you know, Dan Burden who's been called one of the experts in uh, roadway design. I'll, I'll give you a little quote about Dan Burden here. Mm -hmm. 
the White House has recognized him as one of the top ten champions of change in transportation. Time magazine has called him one of the six most innovative civic innovators of the, in the world. Uh, he puts the limit at 21,000 cars per day. And so, you know, really what we're seeing here in Los Angeles, especially when you look at Colbert Boulevard, Vista Del Mar, and uh, Venice Boulevard, the LADOT is going against their own guidance, again, put forth in the LA Complete Streets Design Guide. Um, Culver had 43,000 cars per day on a two-lane road, and they decided to take that down to one lane in each direction. And that goes against all the guidance of these experts, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, same thing on Venice. The last car count for Venice is from 2006, and it was 36,000 or 37,000 cars per day in 2006. Uh, I can only guess now 11 years later. It's probably actually 12 years later now. It's probably a little higher. So I've heard this before, and, you know, I, I am not as uh, informed about this as I should be. You know, this is a hobby for me. I come here after work once a week or so, or, you know, maybe more to edit. So I don't have all the facts, that all the data that I'm going to need to really say anything other than what I'm thinking might be out there, which is some kind of answer to that. What do people who are pro-road diets on these streets that are according to what you're saying, there's too much traffic for them to qualify as candidates for a road diet by the LADOT's own guidelines. What has, have people said in response to that? What have they actually said? Well, you actually, the only thing I've ever seen is that that's not true. They say that's not true. Uh, but I've never seen a study cited that cites a number higher than 25,000. Again, and that number is coming out of Seattle, Washington. Um, so I'm, I, I ask that same question. If there are studies, I really would like to read them. If someone has a study um, that shows me that, the, that road diets down to from, you know, four lanes to two on roads that have greater than 20,000 cars per day uh, volume. And then they also talk about hourly volume, and the hourly volume is around 1,000 to 1,500 per hour, the kind of hours, numberly, hourly numbers they talk about. Um, I would really like to read those studies, and so I, I welcome people to send them, and you can reach us through our website, uh, keeplamoving.com, uh, and please send them to me, because I, I would like to read that data. Okay. Yeah, well, and you yeah. know what, what absolutely applies, you know, especially here in Los Angeles, is what are the what are the studies that the DOT is citing, and what are the studies that LA Vision Zero are citing? And so those are the ones that we've spent some time digging into. You know, you see the little mouse type at the bottom of the page, and you know, you guys can go there just like we go there, and and look through it and read through it. And when you and when you look at it, you know, in situ, you you see that okay, actually, the aggregate of it is is saying opposite of what what is being implemented across the city. Um, and that's really unfortunate because there are a lot of really great safety measures that can help communities and can make our roads safer. And um, this mi misapplication then wastes funds, wastes, wastes times. It really harms communities. Um, and, you know, what, what got us so, you know, fighting so hard uh, in Playa del Rey is that things actually were, were less safe. You know, there was this exponential increase in, in accidents. Um, you know, there were... Um, it, it, you could see, like driving down Vista Del Mar, that was that was like I don't know something from the Road Warrior. It it just was it was frankly really scary. There were there were you know moms pushing strollers right next to cars that were flying by in what was supposed to be the parking access lane, but but drivers who were looking for parking were you know f were using it as a as a roadway. And you had you know there was there were no uh, there were no safe um, sidewalks for people on on that road. There were no safe pathways down to the beach. I just want to interrupt. Sorry, Carla. Actually, there were no sidewalks at all on Vista Del Mar, which exasperated that problem greatly. Yeah. So so it, it, anyway, the road diets there created problems, and they actually didn't address 
the safety problems that were there, you know, which is which is there were there the lack of lighting that were cited in the in the accidents, the, the few accidents that happened. By the way, these are these are very actually low incident roads by LA standards. Um, you know, they they had been called out for lighting, um, for uh, lack of crosswalks, um, for errors in in uh, judgment um, on the part of people who were involved, um, speed. Interestingly enough, was not a factor in the accidents in this in the, on these corridors, and therefore, you know, when you, when you talk about finding solutions to make road uh, roads safer, then the roadite isn't the solution. You mm-hmm. know. So I'm gonna just have to like on Wikipedia put up a, some kind of little flag and say, okay, well, this is uh, something I'm gonna have to hear. Like they say, citation needed. I know you made a citation, mm-hmm. but I have to uh, say, like, well, when you say that there's an exponential increase in you said accidents. Mm-hmm. What what is uh, the response to that? I mean, I think that's probably one area where they say, well, there's two different sets of facts here, right? Yeah. Well, actually, so what's interesting about that is we can't go back to a source on that yet because Switters is usually about eight months to a year behind. So starting in June, we'll get to see the real numbers, the quote unquote, the quote unquote real numbers, the undeniable source, which would be the statewide integrated traffic reporting system which is the database put together by the CHP of, of all traffic accidents uh, statewide. So what, when we talked about this exponential increase in accidents, so according to Switters, on these roads in Playa del Rey, prior to the road diet, there were 11.6 accidents per year for the previous five years. So what we did, uh, once the road diets went in place, people started telling us, hey, there's a lot of accidents on these roads, things like I've never seen before. And we basically averaged three accidents a week for four months. We documented 53 accidents in just the four months. Now, will all those make it to Switters? Probably not, because a fender bender that doesn't get reported to the police won't be in Switters. So once we see, uh, you know, probably July timeframe, those accidents appear in Switters, we'll actually be able to make a real, a real comparison that's undeniable. Um, the 53 accidents that I'm talking about, though, have all been documented by, by photos. This isn't hearsay. This is first-person accounts or photos. Now, I've heard of more accidents. I could probably say there's probably more like 60, 70 accidents, but I don't have a first-person account of those, so we don't account that. So if you compare the 53 accidents in four months to the 11.6 per year, we're talking about a 450% increase in accidents um, pre-road diet, post-road diet uh, in Playa del Rey. Now, again, when Switters, when the data gets into Switters, we can make an apples-to-apples comparison, and we'll see what that number turns out to be. It won't be 53 accidents. I, I know that. Uh, I do believe it's going to be higher than 11.6. Okay, so but this is to me sounds like an area that there's a pretty healthy dispute about. If we have to wait for some more information, yeah, I mean it it it, it becomes a debatable point for sure. I mean we we can't uh, prove it other than again we have photos, but again we don't have photos and 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 firsthand reports prior to the road diet, right? So it, it is not an apples to apples comparison. I'll definitely concede that. Uh, I can tell you, having lived in here in this area for 15 years. Uh, and, dr- and I drive those roads every single day. I've never seen that number of accidents, never seen three accidents a week on those roads. So uh, I, you know, I will say, I'm, and again, this is my opinion, uh, but I'm pretty confident. I'd lay, if we were in Vegas, I'd lay down a good wager that we're going to see more than 11.6 accidents uh, over the, uh, show up in Switters over the summer. Well, I've said that about a lot of things. You know, if I could bet on it, I would. And <laughs> right. Not, and always in hindsight, <laughs> we want to go back and change those bets, Sometimes, correct? <laughs> yeah. I said Donald Trump would never become we just don't even talk about the ridiculousness of such a thing happening give me another thing that you would say is one of the major points you have against it well let me ask you if it's against their own guidelines why do you what's your the reason that you think this went forward anyway you know it's that's a really interesting question you know there uh 
I guess there are a lot of ways to answer that. One is um, there was a fair bit of uh, desire from the from that little small group of people who instigated this um, to to redirect traffic off of the roads from uh, of Playa del Rey. Um, and in, in Bonin's original um, release explaining this, what he was going to be doing to the roads, he talks about um, you know, pushing traffic off onto other roads. Um, you know, and that's, that's not fair to other cities. Other cities, by the way, who, who were not informed of the changes that were going to be made and also who didn't even get the courtesy of return phone calls once the, uh, once the changes were put into effect. Um, you know, there was, uh, there, I'm sure there is a desire, was a desire to make the streets safer. Um, but starting at the road diet as, as the solution was a pretty draconian way to do it when there were so many other better ways. John wants to jump in here. <laughs> you know, um, you know, exactly. If, if the goal, it depends on what the goal, the stated goal is, right? If the goal is to improve safety for all road users, right? We want to make these streets safer. Um, the road diet, if you can go and look at the accidents that happened in Playa del Rey, and if we look at the um, severe injuries and fatalities in Playa del Rey over the last, and now I'm going to take Vista del Mar out of the equation. I'm going to talk about just Playa del Rey. So Culver from the intersection of Vista del Mar out to Jefferson, Jefferson and Pershing. If we look at those, <clears throat> those roads in the last 11 years, and I'm talking uh, January 1st, 2006 through December 31st, 2016, and again, this data comes out of Twitter's. So you can go there and, and get it yourself. Um, there were four, or excuse me, three severe injuries and one fatality. And if you look at the, the details of those accidents, a road diet would not have prevented any of those accidents. So to say that we're removing a lane of traffic in the name of safety, you haven't actually addressed the contributing factors of these four accidents that, that happened. Um, and if the goal is to redirect traffic around Playa del Rey, I mean, I'll just go back to the Federal Highway Administration again and the Road Diet Design Guide. Um, redirection of traffic is not the purpose of a road diet. In fact, they say that if you see uh, car volumes decline after a road diet, you've then redirected that traffic, and that de facto means that this road is not a good, would not have been and it should not have been road dieted. A road should not, traffic should not be redirected when you perform a road diet, because where does that traffic go? It winds up going up into the neighborhoods, into the residential streets, where there actually are many people on the streets. You have children playing. You have people, many people walking their dogs on the sidewalks, people, neighbors convening on the streets. <clears throat> you don't want to push your commuter traffic up into the neighborhoods. And, and, this is, and again, this all comes out of the uh, Federal Highway Administration Road Diet. I'm going to give you the actual name right here, the Road Diet Informational Design Guide, an FHWA safety program. And so that's where all this data is coming from. So... Why did the DOT go against their guidelines? I can't answer that question. I mean, you'd have to pose that to the engineers of the DOT, which actually I have. I asked Dan Mitchell, the chief engineer and uh, assistant general manager of the DOT, I asked him that question point blank, and his answer was, I can't answer that question due to pending litigation. So, mm -hmm. so I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, know, and I, you know, another thing we should probably talk about is, you know, obviously there's kind of a critical mass. We do need to find hey. and alternatives and get people using other modes of transportation. But taking away lanes and making it impossible for people to get to work, not, not giving them alternatives first, is kind of putting the cart before the horse. And it's very damaging to communities. And so you know, for people who, who aren't familiar with this area down here, um, South Bay is kind of geographically isolated. You've got the ocean on one side. When you're going north, then you have um, LAX, and you have a butterfly preserve. 
um, and then you go further north and, and then you've got the, the marina. And so it, it's not this grid of, of, uh, of roads like, you know, we've all come to know and love in Orange County, for instance, or some of the newer areas of town. Um, you don't, there's no place, uh, there's no valves for traffic to get out. And to just say, well, you people should just, you know, drive to the, to the uh, freeways and take those roads. Well, you know what, it's, it's three, four miles into the freeway. And then that freeway directs you further east. And then if, so if your job is on the west side and you live on the west side, what is, you know, what is being accomplished by pushing you onto, uh, you know, a highway that's already, you know, at, at max? Um, and, and, you know, they were talking about putting, putting more of these road diets on other roads, the, the few remaining roads that were north-south. And that's another thing is, you know, they, they put in parallel road diets. There was one on Vista del Mar and one on Pershing, um, you know, on Colburn, on Jefferson. And that's, and that's another way that defies the, the standards set by the, uh, the, the federal guideline book, you know, and, and by the, the people who know, you know, who, 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 who are, sorry, brain fart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, can you just delete that? <laughs> oh, now I got to go back. Okay. Um, so let. Do you want me to jump in or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let. Um, I'm having one too here. If if uh, so, I guess what I was getting at is, do you, you don't think or do you that there's some kind of uh, nefarious. Thing behind road diets, they they want to do safety, but they want to do make the streets safer. But they just are going about it the wrong way. Is that your take on it? Yeah, I, w- I mean nefarious. I, w- I definitely wouldn't say it's nefarious. I mean that that word conjures up images of the Penguin and the Joker from <laughs> the 1970s Batman uh, sitting in a room going, "We're going to figure <laughs> out how to get these guys." And, and I definitely don't think that's what's happening. I, I think that you have uh, Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, has made a directive. Um, that he's going to, you know, the Vision Zero in 2015, we're going to make our streets of L.A. safer. And then he hired uh, Salita Reynolds to head up the Los Angeles Department of Transportation, who's not a traffic engineer, who's not an engineer um, in, by any background. You know, she's a history major. Uh, she worked at Fairs and Piers in San Francisco, did the Vision Zero analysis for Los Angeles or, when she worked in San Francisco. After that was presented to the city council and approved in 2015, she was appointed to head the Los Angeles Department of Transportation. Uh, I think that Salida's background is road diets, and so she's bringing her experience and her knowledge, which is road diets, to the city. Uh, I think that they are misusing them and they're not applying them properly. Again, as I said, they're going against their own standards. Um, is it nefarious? No. Is it a mistake? Yes. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, earlier this year, uh, or last, I guess late last year, um, Garcetti even spoke to that. He said, he said, you know, people were accusing him of of abandoning Vision Zero's um, goals and ideals, and and he said, no, we just need to step back and take a look, and and make sure that we're using the right the right methodology, and 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 that methodology exists. You know, it's it's there, and um, you know, as far as is what the bike community would like to see. I mean, obviously. Um, more bikeways would be great through the city, and that and that's something you know people don't realize that John and I both have cycling backgrounds. Um, he rode competitively in college. Um, I commuted in Los Angeles to two different bikes, one on the uh, two different um, jobs, one on the west side, one in mid city. So we're both really familiar with um, what it's like to share the road with cars, um, and and we both would really like to see a, a better integration throughout the city. But I think you know what what. Uh, personally, 
you know, I would like to see the city looking at, at building a grid of, of local bikeways and um, getting people used to the idea of taking their bikes on local trips, you know, those two, three-mile rides where you go, or even one-mile ride where you're going to the grocery store, you're going to your kids' games, you're, um, you know, running those little doable chunks of rideable chunks. Um, and, and once you're doing that, you um, get used to the idea maybe of being on a bike. And maybe you get a little more empathetic the next time you're driving by a cyclist. You realize, oh, hey, you know what? I know what that feels like. I'm going to give them a little bit more room. Instead of creating this kind of aggression uh, that's, that's inherent in alienating in, in kind of all this rhetoric, this, you know, bikes versus cars, war on, war on cars, war on bikes kind of idea, um, I, I, just, I just think there's a much better way to build bridges between the communities and, and help move people toward accepting um, bikes on the road and toward toward getting on the bikes they're getting on their bikes themselves. I think this, there's this idea uh, that, uh, that um, cars have really had their way with this city, and uh, there's a lot of history behind that. It, it, it was kind of raped by cars. Oh, <laughs> Look, they, you know, you, you have decades of, of decision makers putting any alternatives to cars on the back burner, not just that, just shutting it down altogether. I mean, there's just been, there have been year after year after year where they had the opportunities to, to build better transit systems, to, um, you know, to encourage biking, to build bikeways. I mean, look at the whole rails to trails thing. Like, instead of using that opportunity to really create alternative transportation, um, you know, they put in chip paths where bikes can't ride um, in a lot of cases. Or, um, you know, they, they could have they made them community rail plans instead of, you know, what they were as like Union Pacific, and they could have made them, you know, more red car lines um, or, bus, or busways. Um, and, uh, but the cities, you know, specifically made decisions not to do that, and, you know, the history shows that that, that was funded very much by the car companies and the tire companies and all of that. Uh, but this is the city that we have now, and, and to just all of a sudden say, hey, what, you know what, cars aren't welcome, well, that doesn't, that doesn't serve the people who live here. You know, we have, we're not doing two- and three-mile commutes. We're doing 16-mile commutes, 27-mile commutes. Um, you know, personally, for me, commuting by bike, uh, it became clear that it was, it, it was a personal safety issue. Um, as a woman riding alone on certain sections, that's just not, that's just not something that I could continue to do. Um, you know, so if we can get more riders out there, then sure, you know, maybe women don't have to ride alone. They can ride in groups. But, um, you know, there's, this, the, the city did make bad choices. And, uh, but to all of a sudden, you know, make a 90-degree turn and say we're not going to go that way or a 180-degree turn and say cars are no longer welcome, I just don't think that, that that's helpful and that's, and that's going to create more anger and it's not going to get people on board with embracing change. So you had this experience where you kind of gave up riding because it wasn't it, you were feeling like it was just dark there's neighborhoods where I mean I know how you feel because I feel the same way there wasn't lighting there wasn't what safety didn't feel safe Yeah well look here if I if I was if I was still commuting from here to the job that I used to ride to um I would be riding on the Bayona path and going past um the section where there's um, some projects and people are getting knocked off their bikes there. Um, they're having their bikes stolen. They're, they're getting beat up. Um, the lighting is really bad. So for the, for, so for the half of the year where, there's, where you know, the sun is down at you know, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, um, 
you couldn't be commuting that route anyway. Um, I rode the Bayona Creek path and the and the uh, um, Mount Marmorade path along the beach um, with Jim Hannon and some others in the cycling community, and, and we're trying to figure out how to get the county's attention, they're the ones who, who uh, are responsible for maintaining those bikeways, and we're trying to get the county's attention um, on, on those and to fix them up and make them, uh, you know, they should be the jewel in the crown of Los Angeles. I mean, like, these are, these are potentially really beautiful bike paths, but they've been neglected. They recently started doing repairs um, on some of the asphalt, but they were very in, in very dangerous condition, and then you have these, these places where, um, you know, people hide under bridges, or there's, or the lighting is really bad. Um, so, uh, you know, we'd love to see things like that. And, um, you know, we're trying to, trying to bring attention not just to road diets, but to the alternatives. I mean, hey, why don't we have more more buses down here? Like, if you want to take a bus, I just got an email from somebody, or I saw a posting from somebody yesterday. Um, where she said, you know, if I if I want to take the uh, bus to my job from the South Bay, it's two and a half hours. And it, it's not just that it's two and a half hours on the bus. It's that you maybe have two or three times that you can take a bus during the day. Um, and logistically, you just can't hold down a job doing that. Um, so we would love to see, you know, while, while we started with this road diet stuff, we would love to see some of what's going on here help to redirect attention to the real needs and the, and the ways that, that the city can not only truly, you know, like move the meter in terms of safety on the roads in really practical ways, but also move the meter on, you know, getting people to adopt these other modes of transportation and, and providing that transportation in the first place. So uh, what I'm, you know, I, when I said I feel the same way, I'm talking about, um, the, you know, the, uh, there was, on the uh, LA River Path, there was a time when some guys were getting knocked off their bikes and, uh, I guess, shot at and stuff like that. So there have been times when I've been riding along and just thinking, well, is that going to happen? But, but um, you know, a lot of these bike paths don't go anywhere. Like the LA River bike path is very limited in where it goes. And, you know, if we're going to get from, from one part of town to the other, uh, how do we do it? Yeah, opinion. no, I think we completely agree with you. I mean, if you look at, let's say, I'm going to take a, a different tack, though. I'm going to talk about Venice Boulevard for a moment. The Venice Boulevard bike path, the uh, protected bike lane on Venice Boulevard, goes nowhere, right? It goes from Beethoven to Inglewood, but when you get to either end of that, you're just basically back in, out into the street again. Uh, and so I think this goes back to what, what Carla was just saying, that, you know, one thing that we're advocating for and that we're trying, we're working with the, some cycling advocates here in the South Bay, is to how can we get a how can the city put together a connected grid of bikeways that actually do go somewhere, that go from where the people are to where the people want to be? Um, and, the, you know, we believe that those, you don't need to take away car lanes in order to do that. And you don't need to be put, put bike lanes on arterials. I mean, I, I would rather, you know, personally, from having ridden on a lot of, a lot of those roads myself, um, I would always rather take um, a side street, and, and there are a lot of really great side streets. So, for instance, if you're going up to Santa Monica, a really nice road is Ala. And, and, and a couple years back, two years back, whatever it was, they did actually put in bike lanes there and took away a car lane. And that's an excellent, excellent use of, of roadways. I mean, that's, it, it's a perfect example of it was an underutilized road, which is what the guidebooks say you're looking for. Um, you know, I'll give you an example of uh, Temple Street downtown. You know, there's, they're considering uh, uh, 
a road diet there. That may or may not be the right solution. I think the, the community really should step back and, and look back. They have an, an opportunity to really look at what's caused the problems there and whether or not a road diet is the right solution. But if you're talking strictly about bike lanes, there is a much better street that, that goes a lot of that same distance. I think it's called Council Street. Um, parallel to it that that's not an arterial lane and, and I, I would love to see the city looking for those kinds of streets that um, y you know that will get people where they want to go and, and for instance in in uh, Manhattan Beach there and in, in Redondo Hermosa they're looking at a project for adding bike lanes um, and uh, specifically along aviation well that's a very very heavily used road um, uh, sorry, Carl, I jump in, but that's a 43,000 car per day road. Yeah, and, and, and a fairly high-speed road and fairly narrow lanes for cars as it is. Um, and I know a lot of people who are already uncomfortable riding on that, that road. Um, and there's really not a lot of infrastructure, I guess. There are things that people would go to along that road uh, that you would need to go to. It's, not, it's, not the kind, it's a car trip kind of road. It's not a bike trip kind of road. But if you go just a few blocks inland to... Um, for instance, Redondo Avenue, uh, Redondo Road. Um, you could take that, and that's going to bring you close to the schools, and it's actually going to the neighborhoods where people live. That makes a lot more sense, I think, uh, for for a bike lane because you're getting people. Look, um, you think about the kind of people who are on bikes. Okay, so you have this handful, you know, this percentage of people who do commute, um, and they're very experienced riders. But think about the kinds of want to put on bikes, uh, you've got kids and you've got inexperienced grown-ups, and can you imagine those people riding on a street with 43,000 cars by? Well, yeah, I mean, that's... Actually, if I, let me just jump in one second, I apologize, uh, but I want to take it back to the safety aspect. I'm going to quote from the Vision Zero Los Angeles Collision and Countermeasures Analysis Literature Review from March 2016. And uh, let me tell you, first I want to talk about separated bike lanes. So they've done, this is a, an analysis, this, this, uh, this document is an analysis of a lot of different uh, studies. And they said that they cite a statistically significant increase of 140% increase in collisions between bicycles and right-turning cars and a 48% increase in collisions between bicycles and left-turning cars when they implement separated bike lanes on arterial roads. And if it's not a separated bike lane but just a standard bike lane, they notice a 73% increase in bicycle, bicyclist injury collisions involving bicycles and right-turning vehicles, and an increase in the number of bicycle collisions at, uh, and this is an increase in the number of bicycle collisions for treatment sites versus non-treatment sites. So to take it back to the safety argument, even by the, the analysis and the study of the data that Vision Zero has done, I mean, they published this in March of 2016, they're saying that pushing bikes onto our arterial boulevards is going to increase uh, the collisions and injuries of cyclists. So this is, goes back to Carla's point about pushing, or not pushing, but excuse me, but, but moving the bikeways onto the non-arterials and making a connected grid to get people, for, again, from where they are to where they want to go. Um, so that's why, again, we'll, we'll say that we're, we're definitely pro-bicycle. We're pro-bike lanes or pro-commuting. Uh, we just don't believe they belong on the arterials for, for many reasons, and, and, the sa and safety is definitely one of those. Well, there's, I mean, I'd like to hear that you're pro-bikeways, and I mean, I would love it if some, uh, like what you said, an interconnected grid of bikeways throughout the city could come from this. That would be amazing. I know that um, that that some people say we should be able to use the arterials, um, that, you know, we should, as you're right, that, you know, uh, vulnerable users should not be, uh, have to, have to um, risk their lives to 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 
get to the store or wherever or work. And so, you know, that's why they should have separated by uh, protected bike lanes. Um, but your arguments are that they, uh, even by Vision Zero's own documents, it shows that they're more endangered if the bike lanes are separated. But I would then put my Wikipedia citation up, flag up there too, because I, I wonder if that's, you know, a certain kind of reading of the data. Like I'm just thinking, speculating, maybe there's, you know, that's not the whole, maybe part of the picture is also that overall that there's fewer uh, incidents. It's just that there's an increase in certain kinds of incidents, possibly, although I don't know. And I, 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 I highly encourage everyone okay. that's listening to do their own research. It's the Vision Zero Los Angeles Collision and Countermeasures, gosh, excuse me, Vision Zero Los Angeles Collision and Countermeasure Analysis Literature Review, uh, March 2016. And you can, if you just Google that, you'll pull up the PDF and you can download it. Um, and so now the thing about a lot of the literature that they're reviewing, they actually don't cite what, what studies they're quoting here. So this number of the 140% increase in collisions between bicycles and right-turning cars, they don't tell you where they get that from. Um, so I'm, I actually need to do a little more research to delve down and find the paper that that comes from. Because I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I would like to know more about where, where that comes from. I will tell you, though, what we have seen on Venice Boulevard is that we've seen 11 bike car collisions uh, since May. Uh, and the right turns, cars turning right, hitting bikes is a, is a very big problem. I, I know of at least two cyclists that have gone to the hospital uh, due to getting hit by a car turning right. And the problem being that because the cars are behind the, the excuse me, the, the bikes are riding in the bike lane, and they're hidden from view by the parked cars, and it just kind of ends there at an intersection. So a car is coming along, he turns right, he doesn't see the bike until it's too late. Uh, so this number makes sense to me based on the experience of, of Venice Boulevard. But again, I, where that number comes from, the Vision Zero, this, this document, they don't tell you. Speaking of Vision Zero, uh, you know, a lot of people, myself included, are, are fed up with streets where people are having to, uh, streets in people's neighborhoods like mine, that you have to cross. You know, I have to cross the street to get to the park, and people are driving 50 miles per hour. One statistic that really stays with me is when you're hit by a car at 20 miles per hour, you have an 80% chance of surviving. When you're hit by a car at 40 miles per hour, you have a 20% chance of surviving. And these cars are going 45, 50 miles an hour just to, just to then break at the next light. And, you know, when I experience this, which I do daily, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's very threatening. And there's no way around it. Um, you know, I, maybe the ideal road diet isn't... Uh, maybe road diets are not according to the, to the studies recommended. I almost don't care. You know, it's like it, if I'm going to stop people from, from threatening me and people in my neighborhood and keeping us from feeling safe... Um, because, and from what I'm looking at, my, the things I'm looking at, it, it's because of a, you know, five minute delay in commute times. Um, and I don't know about all the data saying that increased crashes, and I don't think we, we've shown that, uh, definitively. I, 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 you know, I think I've said it already. Well, you know, I'd like to, I'll go back to, so Vision Zero, they talk about the three E's, uh, engineering, enforcement, and education. And, and what we saw here in Playa del Rey is in the off hours, and actually this is backed up by the INRIX data that the uh, DOT gave us at the Playa del Rey Task Force, there was no change in the peak speeds in Playa del Rey. 
Um, now, the index data is, is really rough, I'll call it. Uh, they're using some smoothing algorithm to, to smooth out that data. I talked to uh, Tim Conger at length about that. I'm an engineer by background. I'm an aerospace engineer. Uh, I do th- a lot of thermal stuff is my background. But So numbers and number crunching is what I do day in and day out. And so when I looked at the INRIX data, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me because I said there's no way that you can have a two-mile stretch of road and you, they broke down the speeds by hour. And, in fact, if anyone wants to see the data, I posted it to the Keep PDR Moving website. Um, just go to the, I think it's in our background section, and then you can, you can pull it up, all the charts that they gave us, I, I posted there. Um, but if you look at the, the, whatever the smoothing algorithm they use, pre-road diet, post-road diet, off-peak hours, there was no change in speeds. So I would say that a road diet isn't slowing people down when there's not traffic. Um, now, so I point to the other two E's, enforcement and education. I mean, it really, I mean, Vision Zero says it. To slow cars down, you need enforcement. And in Playa del Rey, we had one police officer who's responsible for enforcement, and that guy's been on a post-retirement vacation for the last six months. So we basically have no enforcement in Playa del Rey, and, well, that's, and, and that's a big problem. And he's not just for Playa del Rey. He's for all of Playa del Rey, Westchester, Playa Vista, and parts beyond. Um, and, you know, we've been told that, that uh, radar guns have just basically been put, uh, you know, in, in the dustbin. They're, they're in closets in the police departments all over the city just collecting dust. Um, that, the, that uh, for whatever reason, they're choosing not to use them, that method of enforcement. Um, you know, so if, if you're not seeing cops on the road, you're not seeing guys with getting pulled over due to radar guns, you know, there's there's a real lack of enforcement, and that's a huge tool that should be uh, should be used. Yeah, I mean, we and I think that ev- everyone will agree with your statement that no one wants to see speeding cars driving through their neighborhood. I, I I heard it once said that only a psychopath would argue against having their streets be safe, and I completely agree with that. I mean, I have four, I have three kids, and uh, and I take my kids out to the park. We walk down to, so we, I live in Playa del Rey. I walk down. Uh, Pershing, and then down uh, uh, what I call Little Pershing over to Tanner's Coffee. I go there on the weekends. I take my, my six-year-old rides his bike, my nine-year-old rides her bike, and I have the 17-month-old baby in a, in a stroller. Uh, you know, I, so I have to cross Manchester. I have to go down on Culver. Uh, I cross Culver. I take him to the park. So speeding cars driving through the neighborhood is, is absolutely a concern of mine, and I completely agree with everyone that we don't want cars doing 50 miles an hour uh, down Culver Boulevard or down Pershing. Um, a road diet, and again, I'll just go back to in the off-peak hours, a road diet doesn't prevent that from happening. Uh, but enforcement and education, I think, are the two tools that really need are underutilized and need to be utilized to, to help prevent that, that from happening. So a lot of people are saying it, it's not enforcement. A lot of people are anti the enforcement approach, right? But that's, that's basically what you're, what you're advocating for? Yeah, well, not just me. That's Vision Zero. I mean, Vision Zero, they call it the three E's, enforcement, engineering, and education. Right. I guess some people are leaning more towards the engineering. Uh, well, if you're, if you're going with engineering, then, you know, road diets are not the engineering solution. You know, look where Playa del Rey ended up with speed tables, with flashing uh, speed signs. Um, you know, and finally we got more crosswalks there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but, but the, and those are just some of the other methods that are, that are available. Um, and, and why it didn't start there, I don't know, because those are things that more directly address the, the little bit of speeding that has been going on there. You know, when, in, that, in that quarter in particular, commute hours, traffic's already crawling through the town. It is purely a non-commute hour problem. Uh, the time of day that the accidents were happening, 
You know, okay, so this brings me to another thing. <laughs> well, actually, I just want to, okay. I mean, if you're going to look at, just looking at the data, right, We're going to if we talk about accidents, um, speeding actually wasn't an issue in the accidents that have occurred. If you look at the, at the again, I'm going back to Switters, and you pull the data and look at the, the code violation of, of, of the, the, the violation that led to the accident. Um, in the last 11 years, speeding was cited in two accidents that led to severe injuries. Speeding was not cited in, in any of the three fatalities. Uh, implied array. So in terms of the data, speeding isn't the problem. Um, and so if you're looking at the engineering solution, I'm going to echo what Carla said, the road diet doesn't slow people down. The speed tables slow people down. Speed feedback signs absolutely slow people down. Um, the signal timing can slow people down, and it can also make the pedestrian safer. The pedestrian head start, uh, I've seen that they've now implemented that in Plight Array. It absolutely makes a difference because when you're, you're waiting to turn right, this pedestrian gets a four-second or three-second uh, head start before your light turns green. So that guy is literally in front of your car when, you start, when you're ready to turn um, because mostly, you know, I mean, we all drive cars, right? You're sitting at that corner. You're looking at the light. You're looking to your left, looking for traffic. When you see it's clear to go, you start to go. The pedestrian that's on your right is very difficult to see, but if that person's actually in the street because they have a three-second head start, it makes a big difference. It definitely makes the pedestrian safer. Um, that's the engineering side that's going to make people safer. And those improvements that have come to Plyde already, I mean, again, I drive them every day. It's definitely made a difference. Well, and, and, a, and in order to come to those correct engineering solutions, you have to talk about what are the contributing factors. And, you know, we've had people call us out for victim shaming because we, we want to look at and discuss, you know, what is it that, that causes? Well, was it, was it speed? Was it alcohol? Was it, you know, was it somebody walking down the road in the middle of the night? You know, who was drinking? Was it the driver? Was it the pedestrian? Because if, if you're going to come up with the correct engineering solution, the safest solution, you really have to consider those factors. And that's not victim shaming. That's not victim blaming. That's not, you know, trying to embarrass anybody. It's trying to get to the root of the problem and come up with the right solution. And we think that that's a really important part of the conversation that, that has kind of been tamped down. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to give an analogy to that because one of my other hobbies is I'm a pilot. And uh, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the uh, I'm trying to search for the right word here, the, uh, the, the black comedy, if you will, of, of being a pilot is that we delve into accidents that have killed people. And so every day I'm reading NTSB reports, the National Transportation Safety Board, reading a report about a, an accident that, where a pilot died. And, and we delve into that in excruciating detail to find out exactly what is the chain of events that led to this plane crashing and this pilot losing his life. And what we hope to learn from that is what went wrong and how can we avoid that from happening again in the future? There's a saying that the, the federal airmen regulations, the laws that govern flying, the FARs are written in blood. And the reason we say that is because every law in the books is because of a, an accident that happened that cost someone their life. And I look at these uh, roadway changes in much the same way, that we have to look at what happened, what, 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 when an accident occurred, what happened, what went wrong there, uh, and how can we prevent that from happening again. And the only way to do that is to delve into these accidents and pick them apart and find out who was at fault, what were they doing, uh, what did they do wrong, and then how can we prevent that from happening in the future. And again, I'll, I'll echo my, my earlier uh, assertion, is if you study these accidents as I have, a road diet would not have prevented them. Okay, well, I think we have a lot to, to work with. I think, I think um, you know, w would you be willing to come back and talk to some people who might be better informed about this than I am? Like a debate? You know, we would be happy to talk to people who have actually been, you know, 
feet on the ground, making substantial uh, contributions to the cycling community who have helped get, you know, paint on the asphalt, um, who have actually worked with the cities. But, we're, you know, it, it, people who, who really have some credibility and not just, you know, maybe have, have opinions. Okay. Um, so, you know, as, as you can tell by listening to us that, you know, we really do, we're really interested in data and we're really interested in, um, in factual stuff. And, and, you know, we find that some of the opinions that are just getting blown out there are not really that helpful, you know, in building bridges between cyclists and motorists. You know, again, like both of us having been cyclists, um, we would really like to see, you know, more of a, a community and, and less of this ag- aggression and, mm-hmm. and anger between the two communities. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be gained by building bridges. Well, and, I, you know, I mean, earlier you said that you'd like to see a bike, ne- bike network, excuse me, a bike network across the city. Uh, and, you know, that's something that we want to see as well. And I think that, you know, I, I mean, it's my belief that our, all of the people that live in the city, all, none of our uh, goals are mutually exclusive. We all want the same thing. We all want to be able to get about the city in whatever form of transportation we choose to use, and we want to be able to do that safely, be that on a bike, on a car, on foot, on a bus, on a subway. Um, and that's the conversation that we want to have. How can we make our roads work and make our roads safer for everybody? Um, you know, there's a lot of vitriol out there and a lot of anger, and a, and a lot of things have been said um, that just don't move that conversation forward. And, and so, you know, if, if anyone that wants to come to the table and have that discussion, we're absolutely willing to have it. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, just because we, we talked about uh, having some kind of, I mean, I don't know, maybe debate's the wrong word, but, I mean, I think a debate can be, a, you know, debate doesn't have to have associations, you know, unpleasant associations. It, you know, but it, it kind of implies that, that, that we're on opposite sides, and I, I, I don't think we are on opposite sides. You know, I, I, think, I think we're all on common ground. It's just that not everybody's seeing that that way. Um, so... Uh, you know, we'd love to have a roundtable conversation with people, and maybe together we can all kind of push forward um, and get some really positive outcomes from this and really end up with safer streets, with bikeways, get the city to pay attention to alternative transit. You know, these are all really important things affecting the future of Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I mean, it comes down to do you think the road diet is the best way to achieve these goals? Is that a question for us? No, I'm saying that's the <laughs> that's what it comes down to. I mean, because that would be the point of contention. Yeah. Well, you know, John, toward that end, John already said, he, you know, we, we really encourage people to dive into the data. A lot of these studies, you know, when you go to these different um, handbooks that are put out by Vision Zero and by the, uh, the National Safety Transportation Board and all of that, you know, you see the mouse type down at the bottom where they, they give you the citation of, of where they're getting their information from. You go to that study read up on it, see, see the background, see it in context. When you see it in context, you find out that, you know, cherry-picking the data might give you a different story than if you're actually reading it in context. And what we're finding as we read it in context is, you know, road dites really aren't the panacea. Um, and, and there really are better solutions and other solutions. And, there, and there's also a lot of low-hanging fruit out there in ways that we can make roads safer um, it, without, without creating all, this, uh, all these problems for communities with road diets because, you know, let's face it, uh, it, it's not just about commute times or safety. There's also the, the health of the community. And, and like in, in Playa del Rey and what we're seeing in Mar Vista is these um, businesses are being really damaged 
and and uh, you know people are are throwing out shade and kind of you know saying well that's not true these are you know these business people just are bad business people or or you know they there's there's other reasons or the bad press you know has scared people away but that's not what we're hearing from the business people themselves you know these are people these are long time business people who have been very successful over a number of decades they've been critical members of the community a really a big part of of what makes these areas these neighborhoods really special um, and they're really hurting and some of, them to the, some of them to the point of going bankrupt having to shut their doors um, and and you know they've got they've got the Google Analytics they've got the phone calls from their from their clients they've got the notes from people saying hey you know what I just can't get there or I checked ways and I and I see the traffic so bad you know it's just such a nightmare to get through there so yeah, and actually, I just want to make a, a point on that. You know, we've, we've talked to 62 businesses in Playa del Rey, and we talked about 28 on Venice Boulevard. Um, so this is a pretty broad survey of businesses. And in Playa del Rey, I mean, it was businesses down across the board, and it wasn't just the service restaurants, uh, the service businesses and the restaurants. I mean, the dentist lost customers. The chiropractic lost, chiropractor lost customers. The dentist told us that, you know, my customers are telling me, look, I can't fight the traffic to get in here and then get to work. I've got to find a dentist closer to my house. Uh, you know, I've been coming here for 15 years. You're a great guy. Uh, I can't come back. So, you know, I would say, again, I would encourage people that don't believe uh, believe that to say go and talk to the businesses yourself. Actually walk into uh, Lance's Flower Shop, the Playa del Rey Flores. Uh, walk into um, uh, the Delta, Del Rey Dental over there on Pershing and ask them, what is, how, how did this affect you? And, and they'll tell you the same story that I just told you. Um, you know, and it wasn't just the businesses on the street. We, we, the delivery businesses were down. I mean, we, we heard from uh, Uber and Lyft drivers that, hey, we don't want to drive into Playa del Rey anymore because we can't get back out again. Uh, DoorDash stopped picking up uh, the restaurant. Said DoorDash won't come pick up my deliveries anymore because they, once they get in, they can't get back. It takes them forever to get in. It takes them forever to get out. Um, so it was, it was the service industries. It was the on-the-street businesses. And because when, what happened in Playa del Rey and what's happening on Venice Boulevard is that you're redirecting traffic. I think the DOTs put out the numbers that the, the uh, car counts are down on Venice. When you redirect the traffic, you redirect the customers. People find new restaurants to go to. They find new uh, shoe shops to go to. They find new dry cleaners. Uh, they change their habits because it, what once took them 15 minutes is now taking them 30. And, and that 15 to 30-minute statistic I just gave you, that's actually a DOT number from Playa del Rey. It's something they gave us in the task force. They went and did time trials down um, from Imperial out to the 90 one day. And it took them tw- uh, 29 minutes and 38 seconds, I believe is the number, to go from Imperial to the 90. That's an average of four miles per hour uh, over that distance. So it, these, are, these are actual statistics I'm giving you, and I invite anyone to go down to Playa del Rey and actually talk to the businesses. I invite you to go to Venice Boulevard and talk to the businesses because, uh, you know, this isn't just um, hand-waving and screaming. I mean, this is real on-the-ground uh, effects that's, that's that's happening in these communities. Yeah, very personal effects. And, and and while you're in the stores, if you if you do go talk to people, please spend money. You know we've we've been encouraging people all along to get down to their shop. We you know we had we on, online we push shopping days where we encourage people to go down and patronize the businesses in Playa del Rey. And I think they've been doing the same thing in Mar Vista. And you know uh, these people deserve our support. They're going through a really tough time. Um, and and uh, you know we. While while things are being figured out, you know, if if, if you want to preserve your community, you got to support your community, and and that that includes shopping local. Yeah, and I, and I think I would say uh, no matter what the side of the debate anyone's on in 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 these communities, I don't think anyone wants to see our business community be hurt by it. So I, I echo what Carla said: go out to the businesses and support them and spend money because uh, that's what they need. Well, okay, so. 
I feel like we there's been a lot of anecdote just now. And um, I, I did, you know, I read like, for example, and I know this is going to probably uh, rub you the wrong way, but I read, you, you had an article in, in the Argonaut right after Peter Flax had an article in the Argonaut, um, which is interesting. It wasn't an article, by the way. These are, these are op-ed pieces, right? Op-ed pieces, right? I mean, they're uh, opinion pieces, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in his article, and you made, you know, uh, it, I thought it was great that, you know, you got to see the article side by side, but uh, that I did. His article was about one of the cases of the businesses that claim to lose uh, customers. And you know this example, right? It's it, oh, yeah. no, the, I, I, the guy I mean, had just had a notice of vermin from the health department. He had just changed his menu over from one thing to a totally different kind of thing and then there was a third reason i, I mean just to bring a counter anecdote uh that was one right uh, um yeah i mean you're 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 speaking of uh, john atkinson's business louis on um uh on grandview just off of venice boulevard uh you know i mean i can't say that i know the details right uh, i can't tell you what happened i i can say that the vermin right was not in his kitchen it was on the back patio that he doesn't control um, you know, I think a lot of people blow up a lot of things and they find in, the, in those details what they want to see. Uh, all I can say is I've talked to John. Uh, I know John pretty well because he also has a restaurant here in Manhattan Beach called The North End, which I frequent quite often. And I'll just let everyone know, go to The North End on Highland. Get the, get the those burritos, <laughs> breakfast burritos, because they are the best breakfast burritos in Los Angeles. They Kill have the killies. Kill the killies. <laughs> the breakfast burritos have ham, turkey, oh, no, excuse me, ham, sausage, and bacon. So I don't think it gets any better than that. Um, obviously, I'm not a vegetarian, but, you know, I mean, John's example is one example. If you go to the Restore Venice uh, Facebook page or go to their YouTube channel, you'll see there's now six businesses that they've got videos from that are all saying that they've been hurt by the, the road diet on Venice Boulevard. Uh, in the task force, Peter was referring to uh, Lisa, the can- uh, Lisa Cantalini's. Uh, you know, she said her business is down, and, and I've talked to her extensively about this, and I've talked to a lot of people in Playa del Rey about this. Uh, I, my only response to Peter is, Peter, how many businesses have you talked to in Playa del Rey? My, my guess is none. Uh, he didn't talk to Lisa in the task force. Uh, no one questioned what Lisa said in the task force. If people had reservations about what she was saying and they didn't believe it was true, no one voiced it when we were sitting in that room. Well, and, and I, talked, I did actually talk to Lisa the other day, um, and she said that you know, they, a lot of the businesses saw an immediate rebound once, once the lanes were restored, her business included. You know, businesses come back. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but others like, uh, the florists are still having a hard time. So, you know, you, it's not, it, it's not always going to be an instant effect. You know, you, you, when you push the cars and push the commuters out of, off the roads, you're also pushing, pushing the business into other communities and people develop different habits. Um, and so that can take a while for, for that to recover. You know, another thing I want to say about John Atkins is, is he's a guy who knows how to run the business. I don't know the specifics of what was going on with Louis, but I know that he had both that restaurant and, and the one down here in Manhattan Beach, and he was having a really hard time it, just from the traffic during the road diet. He couldn't get between his two properties to run his businesses, and that's part of why he's, you know, had struggled um, with the Venice location because, you know, he couldn't, like, he couldn't get down here to meet his, uh, his deliverymen um, in time. And uh, and that and that really put a cramp on his ability to run his business here in Manhattan Beach as well. So, you know, this is a guy who's contributing to two different communities. Um, he's providing jobs. You know, he's providing uh, neighborhood atmosphere. 
you know, things that help make these areas nice places to live. You know, and it's a real shame to penalize people like that. And, and you know, and, and all I can say is if you don't, you don't have to believe me, and you don't have to believe Carla, and you don't have to believe the people in those videos, go down to the street and, and talk to the businesses, and you can hear from them firsthand. Okay. Uh, and, I, and, and as Carla said, when you're there, uh, buy a cup of coffee, get a lunch, get a sandwich, get your, dry, get your clothes dry clean, go to Time Warp and pick up a record. Um, you know, you can support them and, and hear it for yourself. You don't have to, and, I'm, and I encourage people to do that. Don't take my word for it. Go talk to those people and, and see what they have to say. Well, uh, okay, that's, that's, that's probably a good idea. I mean, I did go down to the Mar Vista bike lane, and I was surprised to see businesses I wouldn't have thought opposing the bike lane, opposing the bike lane, like a coffee shop and a bookstore. I was very surprised because I uh, have for a long time been under the impression that there are study after study showing that bike lanes are good for businesses. And uh, I don't have them, but I'll bet you I can get them. And it might be different from road diets under these circumstances. I don't know. The other thing, so... Well, actually, I, I, if I may jump in, you, you yeah. talk about um, studies that showing uh, road diets are good for businesses. Well, bike lanes, I said. Or bike lanes are good for businesses. I, I, you know, one that gets cited a lot is, is York Boulevard here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. and, and I've read that study extensively. Again, I'm an engineer, numbers, it's my thing. Uh, and they talk about the one, I, think, I believe it was one year pre-road diet versus one year post-road diet. And they compared the road dieted section of York Boulevard to the one mile down the street uh, section of York Boulevard that did not get the road diet. And if, uh, when you look at their numbers, they go through and they say the road dieted section saw a 53% increase in sale tax revenue uh, year over year, uh, pre-road diet, post-road diet. But, and their non-road dieted section saw a 67% increase in sales tax revenue year over year. So the non-road dieted portion actually saw a 26% greater increase in business than the road dieted portion. Now, I'm not going to say that the road diet prevented the one side from growing more than the other. I don't know that. This, this, you can't get that out of this study. But I can tell you that it's definitely not conclusive in telling you that this road diet was good for business. Now, and if you look at, like, uh, New York, I believe it's Fifth Avenue, there's a study. A place like New York is an incredibly high-density city. Uh, and I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull from the conversations I've had with businesses in Playa del Rey. Uh, when you have a very high-density city, and you road diet a street, it definitely can have a positive impact in the businesses. And the, be the reason being, there's so many people that live within the walkable and bikeable, um, within the, that are walkable and bikeable to that section that's been road dieted, that those people alone can support that business. When you look at places like uh, uh, Venice Boulevard and Mar Vista between Grandview, uh, excuse me, between Inglewood and Beethoven, and you look at Playa del Rey, the city doesn't have the density that us alone in the, in the walkable, bikeable, uh, radius, if you will, we can't support those businesses alone. They actually need the customers that come through on cars. You know, uh, I, I, something that I've heard is that, you know, uh, one of the businesses said to me, you know, the, the people here, they're calling these people traffic. I call these people customers. When you make the traffic go away, you just made my customers go away. So uh, uh, a fifth avenue, so we, earlier uh, we talked about the misapplication of, of these studies to, to justify road diets. If you go in and you read the studies, you say, wait, this doesn't apply. It's not apples to apples. Actually, and I have an example I'll give you in just a second. Um, a Fifth Avenue study in New York saying that that road diet was good for business definitely doesn't apply to like a Venice Boulevard or a Playa del Rey because we don't have the density to support those businesses alone. We need the people driving through. And this York Boulevard study, which gets pointed to a lot, saying how great it was for business, well, I, it's definitely, in my mind, it's inconclusive because no they, no, they have no reason to tell me why did the non-road-tided section see a 26% increase in revenue over the road-tided section. Uh, both sides did well. So... 
I, so that's a, so again, I'm just going back to the study now. I was going to talk about the misapplication of data. You know, one thing Vision Zero says is that I'm looking for my notes here because I have it here in front of me, and I want to quote it. I actually want to quote it exactly. I don't, I don't want to talk off the cuff. If you give me one second, where did I put that piece of paper? Oh, man. So Vision Zero, they, they say that there's, ah, here's the, so Vision Zero, I'm going to, I want to quote, they say research on road diets has shown a 41% reduction in pedestrian collisions at treatment sites. And that sounds pretty good, right? A 41% reduction in collisions. Uh, why would I not want to see that in my city? I, I, you know, that sounds like a great thing. So I went back and I read that study where that number came from. And it says, uh, the, and it's actually a 47%. In that study, they say, we, uh, the studies determined total crash reductions were higher, 47%, for treated sections of more rural thoroughfares passing through smaller towns. Uh, the 47% expected crash reduction would be most accurate when considering road diets for routes passing through small urban areas of around 17,000 average population and with traffic volumes in the range of about five to 12,000 cars per day. I don't think you can call Mar Vista a city of 54,000 people, or a town of 54,000 people, uh, a rural area with around uh, 17,000 average population. And Venice Boulevard, the street, as I told you, in 2006, had 36,000 cars per day. Uh, that's not five to 12,000 cars per day. So to quote a 41% reduction in crash sites as saying that's why we're going to do this in Mar Vista, it, that's what I talk about when I say that's misapplication of the data because you're literally com comparing apples and oranges. Actually, it's more like you're comparing apples and hand grenades. I mean, we're not even talking fruit at that point. Hmm. Okay, so one thing I want to say is um, that uh, the, the businesses, uh, I mean, I'm sure somebody will have something to say about the, about, you know, the statistics showing that, that road diets don't, don't do for businesses what bike lanes have been shown to do for businesses. But w one thing I, I want to say is, um, you know, if there's, um, if there's a business that depends on something unhealthy happening, uh, I don't think that the, the success, the continued success or health or survival of the business uh, is anything that should get in the way of stopping the unhealthy thing from happening. If it's the, the, the situation as it is with the cars, the way they are is actually unhealthy, which I believe it is. I don't think this, however many businesses uh, are actually suffering are really a justification for keeping it the way it is. Um, I, and, and I think a, the, the, the road diet concept is an interest, makes it for an interesting analogy because if you are, f are overweight and you're unhealthy, um, you have created a dependency on a certain kind of nutritionless, uh, high-calorie food. And saying that you now have this dependency uh, is not a justification for continuing to eat that way. You would need a diet. I mean, I mean you're, you're, you're talking like almost a philosophical change in, the, in our standard of, not, not only our standard of living, but our way of life not just in Los Angeles, but in our way of life since the Industrial Revolution. I mean, I, I don't know how to answer that. Well, thank um, you. I mean, you're, it's a, you're talking a, 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 a cultural change of not just uh, using a car to get to work, like, or, or living like, okay, I'll use an example of a guy I work with. I, I work with a guy who, um, he didn't go to college. He's a designer. So I, I work with, I'm an engineer, and we work with designers. The designers make the drawings for the engineers. They do a lot of actual engineering work, but they don't get paid like engineers because they're not engineers. They didn't go to college and get that degree. So this guy um, wanted to provide a better life for his kids. And he said, look, I don't want my kids to grow up how I grew up. I want my kids to have a yard. I want my kids to have friends. I want them to have that, that uh, cul-de-sac that they can ride their bikes on. 
So he bought a house in Corona, and this guy drives 63 miles each way every day to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're saying is, is, well, I don't think that guy should have that life. I don't think that guy should be able to live 63 miles away from his job. Right. I don't know how you say that to that person. I mean, and that's just one person. I mean, we're talking a city, Los Angeles is a city of 4 million people. What is it, 8 or 9 million in Los Angeles County? I don't know how you say to those people, you're not going to be able to live the life that you're living anymore. We don't think it's healthy. We don't think you should live that life, and we're going to change it, and you're going to change. I, I don't know how you do that. So, Regardless of any economic or logistical issues or physical limitations or you know, any of those things, and regardless of whether or not your job is the kind that requires you to travel around the city or if, if you have, work in the kind of business that every two years you've got to go to a new job and maybe it's in a whole different part of town, you know, the, this whole premise of people should live where, where they work, well, it's a nice idea, but it's, it, it's really not applicable the way Los Angeles is built and the way our industries are spread out. And I think, like, you know, going back to we, the, that this is building bridges and we want to bring the community together to make a, a bikeable city and a city that's safe for us no matter how we get around, you know, if you go to tell people, hey, you know what, we're not going to let you drive to work anymore, like, you're going <laughs> that's to, not, that's not building bridges, that's burning bridges. You know, we want to bring it, we want to bring as many people into the tent as possible. And I think telling people, hey, because we don't like it, and, and we being nebulous, I'm not saying this is you, um, I'm just using the we vernacular, um, we don't like what you're doing, whatever that thing be, be it drive a car, be it smoke a cigarette, be it have a, a beer after work every night, we don't like what you're doing, we're not going to let you do that anymore. We know better than you, that's not a way to bring people into the tent and get them on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, like as Carla said, make the, the bike routes for the one-mile bike trip, make the bike routes for the three-mile bike trips, and get people into the... Uh, mindset of, hey, I don't need to take my car, or I can bike a mile to the market. I can bike two miles to the park. You know, you build on those, it's, it's uh, baby steps, right? You build on those steps, and eventually we get to the point where maybe we do have a city where people can bike 5, 6, 7, 10, 12, 15 miles uh, each way to work every day. But I think that, you know, dropping the hammer and saying, we're going to make this happen tomorrow, that's not a way to bring people into the tent, and it, that's just going to make people angry, and it's going to make people fight us every step of the way. And when I say us, I mean all of us, because, you know, Carla and I are of the opinion that we want to see those bikes on the road. We want to see that bike network. Uh, we want to bring people onto the, on board and onto the team, and, and I think the way you do it is through baby steps. Okay. Well, that sounds reasonable. So if you want to come back, that would be great with maybe some kind of traffic engineer with the LADOT, like... Tim Frameau is somebody who's been on the show, and I think he's expressed interest in, uh, through Don Ward, talking to somebody from your organization. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're interested in building bridges and that, and that involves conversations. So, you know, like, like we've said, you know, there, we have avid cyclists and cycling activists who, who have been a part of our group down here and who have been, you know, really great about, you know, keeping that part of the conversation. And, um, you know, we just, this is... There is so much common ground, you know. Number one, that we all want safe streets. So, um, you know, let's let's work on that. Let's bring let's bring people together. Um, um, yeah, good. I'm I'm actually going to a barbecue with Selena Inouye from. Um, oh great! Rest- oh, tell her we said hi. <laughs> with Don Ward, so it's going to be like a Israel Palestine type of a, a <laughs> summit. You know, if if you approach it with that with with that premise. You know, you're, you're kind of setting a stage. I, I think that's, uh, you know, approach it, look for that common ground and, mm-hmm. and realize that, you know, we're all, we're all living in this city together. 
I, I gotta call it, I think it's more of a McDonald's Carl's Jr. summit. I guess yeah, yeah, you're, you're both eating burgers, but it's a fried versus a charred broiled, right? That's, that's what I, I think you guys are heading. Because I, I, again, I believe that we all are. We're all on the. We're all reading the same book. We may just not be on the same page, but I mean, we all have common goals and we have common interests, and we want to see the same things. Um, it just we may not all agree on the best way to make it happen, but there's a, definitely a compromise out there that I think is going to make everyone happy and it's going to make the city a better place for all of us. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I also want to say before we end, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about data here, and 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 our, our group has have been digging in very deeply. Obviously, John has been has been going through a lot of a uh, lot of uh, these studies and things, and we are working on putting them in, a, in a, an easily readable format on the website so that you can see, okay, this was the citation that came from this report, or this was the citation that came from, you know, from this document, and and so you can easily see what did the DOT say, what did the what did Vision Zero documents say, you know, and and uh, we're working on getting that stuff on, on the website um, so that so that everybody can go and look and see for themselves. Um, you know, this is it. It should be a part of the conversation. These are, these are things that have just been kind of swept under the rug. And um, you know, it's when you cherry pick data, it's it's really easy to kind of create a narrative or support the narrative that you want to have. Um, what we're trying to do is to pull back the curtain and say, no, you can't just cherry pick. You have to look at the whole tree. Um, and uh, and and we're happy to have that conversation. Like John said, if you have studies. That that support your point of view on road diets, please send it to us because we want to include that in the mix. We're not we're not about hey this is you know this is our stance and we're going to support it only with data that supports our stance. We want to look at the big picture, but so far everything that we've been seeing in the big picture says that road diets don't belong on arterials, um, and and so why don't why why doesn't the city why don't we encourage the city to um, to then focus their energy focus their money. On, um, on on really crafting those engineering solutions that make people safer. Um, I I, I want to just respectfully say that I don't think that that all the cherry picking is on one side. If you can give examples for us, we'd love to hear it because we'd like to correct that. Okay. Like I said, you know, if you have studies, show please send it to us, show us to us. We we want we want the full yeah. vision, not just not just the bit. Yeah, I mean that's definitely part of the of the conversation. I mean I I'm in as I told you, as I said before, I'm I'm an engineer, my life is data and, and data is important and if uh if the if, if if I'm giving bad data or I'm giving bad statistics, I definitely want to know that. And so if, if there's if you see examples of that, especially coming from me uh, please point them out, and I will rect- and I will work to rectify that. And because, as Carla said, we need to look. We need to look at the big picture. It's not about um, pulling some obscure statistic out of out of somewhere and not citing the source and saying, "Oh, look, see, this guy. Uh, there's a guy somewhere who said I'm right." Uh, that doesn't move the conversation forward. So, so absolutely, please yeah, and, uh, and, bring those to our attention. And, and you know, and just angry opinions don't really move the conversation forward either. You know, just just saying, well, I think this or I feel this. That that doesn't solve anything, and that doesn't really provide any qualitative information that that helps um, come to uh, better solutions. So, um, you know, that so much of of what we've seen out there has been just opinion rather than actual supported fact. And you'll see that when we put stuff out there, we cite the data. We, we, cite, we cite where we got the information from. And that's so that people can, can verify what we're saying. Um, and again, we're happy to hear data that, that you know, goes against what we're, what we're finding. Um, so okay. open invitation, Thank everybody. Thanks for coming on. All right, All right no problem. Thanks for having us. us. Okay, have a good Bye-bye. day. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye.
So in the room for that conversation with Carla and John was bike advocate Alexander Tots, who I met at a bicycle advisory committee meeting. Alexander wanted to come on and talk about his work as an advocate for biking in Hollywood, but you also took notes. I did, yeah. Thanks very much, uh, Nick, for having me. I'm really delighted to be here and talk on Bike Talk. Basically, I've lived in Los Angeles and Hollywood specifically for eight years. Almost immediately took to the natural topography of, of L.A. in terms of biking you know, like a duck to water. Um, it was very different from New York. And um, over time, I've basically come to the point where I felt like I needed to advocate for uh, my own well-being, but also just uh, everything I see around me in terms of my neighborhood and the circumstances, transportation-wise. You Have you always biked? Do you, do you start uh, here? Yeah, no, I, I'm from D.C. originally, and, and um, uh, just very simply, they're, they're light years ahead of the curve, and New York is caught up, you know, with, with all of... Los Angeles's aspirations. I don't see any reason why we can't or couldn't be, um, you know, in the same league in terms of transportation. Yeah, I agree. So what did you think of this conversation that we just had? Well, you know, it's interesting, Nick, you know, coming coming here tonight, uh, I have to confess that I, I'm also in my abundant spare time when I'm not being a bike advocate. I'm, uh, I'm a translator, French-English translator, but also an, a budding documentary filmmaker. And I watched a couple of documentaries and and these have nothing to do with biking or transportation, but but I think really for the conversation that I just heard, it sort of reminded me of what I was bringing in here tonight or thinking about in terms of, I, I think for all Angelinos right now, in terms of all things transit, we really have to bring the lens, which is, you know, obviously every, you know, a term, term that we can all easily summon to mind, as as wide and as big as possible right, um, in terms of, of what's really going on, the dynamics. Um, you had used the word rape, which I think was interesting in terms of what cars have done to um, Los Angeles. I think it's a very strong metaphor, and, and I, I guess I would say that really things have been focused around cars, and people really aren't kind of on the same page and, and thinking about the big picture enough in terms of the forces that are factoring into these fights that, as was just discussed, can be extremely contentious, if not acrimonious. I think everybody loses in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Is it also that everybody has already lost and we're trying to uh, get something back from zero? Well, I'm a, an optimist by nature, so I, I don't really think we've lost. I, you know, I, I really think for myself as a cyclist, and I do, I don't own a car anymore. I'm very happy and grateful to say, but I do drive. I, was just, I just rented a car today. And when I say big picture, I think it, it all comes down to psychology, um, specifically the psychology of one person, one car, the psychology of getting somewhere as quickly as possible, no matter what the distance you know, you were also, and I, I really appreciate that, you know, talking about your personal experience, just wanting to stay alive from point A to B. I think that's at the forefront of any Angelino cyclist's mind. And I don't care where you live. I think that's really important right now. I mean, just this morning, um, I was going, it was like friggin' eight o'clock in the morning, right? I mean, it's it, Hollywood can actually be kind of deserted at certain points of the day. And this was it. I, I had to get to the car rental um uh, place um, at a certain, you know, as soon as they open. 
And I was going along the street that I use as an alternative that, that frankly, was, it was encouraged. And I, I've, I do use it as an alternative for Hollywood Boulevard, for, um, um, I think, the, the word that was bandied around during your prior conversation was art, arterial boulevard or something like that. Um, I've basically given up on Hollywood because I, I want to stay in one piece. And I, I, I don't, I, I like to keep my equilibrium physically, mentally, and spiritually. And the point is that, you know, I was just, I was going um, on one part of this two-lane street, which is filled with parked cars at any time of day or night. Um, and there was a motorist, like, who was honking at me. In the, you know, like, no one is around. Um, you know, and um, I didn't do anything. I, I've learned... Uh, through a lot of of hard knocks, um, what I need to do, um, and and I think that 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 mentality, um, it's not only pervasive but it's getting worse. Why would that be? Why would it be getting worse? I would turn the question around and say, what are we actually measuring in Los Angeles in terms of transportation? What we're, my understanding is, what we, in other words, the city and the state and and the nation. We're measuring our, our cars. We're not measuring bicycles. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are ridership statistics, of course, that Metro uses. But in terms of bicycling, LACBC, and God bless them, and they're an amazing organization. I have to remember to plug them before we finish because they're, they're having an event in Hollywood um, this week. They shouldered the burden this year that Metro, for whatever reason, couldn't take on of doing the bike ped census that Metro, for whatever reason, couldn't take on. Um, now, this involved volunteers. No one was getting paid. I was involved only because I showed up one day and no one didn't. And, and so I had to get people involved, you know, to measure at Hollywood and Highland, which is one of the most hype, you know, the peak places for bike and pet anything in this city. So, yeah, if, you know, that, that's, that's really, I, I think we're, we're not, we're looking at the telescope from the wrong way. What's the way, uh, what's the wrong way? We, we should be looking at what's good. Well, we should be looking at what, is going to move Los Angeles forward. There are simply going to be more and more cars. Obviously, if we don't if we don't look at the problems that all of that causes, that that mentality causes. Speed at any price. Yeah, and and just simply, you know, I mean car sharing, I, I don't want to get into that right now, but I think it's 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 a it's a fiction. It's a misnomer. You know, the only thing that car sharing is doing is is clogging. It's it's helping people who and again, I, you know, if I could take a moment just to go back to this big picture thing, I think there are a lot of economics that are factoring into all of this, especially the conflicts that bicyclists and motorists find themselves in. It's it's much it's very it's very convenient um, for locally and and you know in a bigger way, statewide and and uh, and otherwise nation nationally for for bicyclists and motorists to be constantly at each other's throat as opposed to. Um, you know, in a, in a sane environment, sharing re- limited resources and, and limited space. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how to feel, though, about the conversation I just had because, uh, you know, they're very anti-road diet. And if they're right that the LADOT's guidelines are their own guidelines are against di- road diets on streets with that traffic, then, you know, that's something that, that has to be considered. But I didn't really hear the res- the response to that, and I'm sure there is one. And the streets they've named, York, Rowena, and Silver Lake, I know those streets. I drive on them all the time, and I bike on them sometimes. And I'm very glad they're there. 
I'm I'm totally happy. So, I mean, I'm experiencing a different world. But did you feel? What did you think about the whole issue of road diets and how it how it was presented there? First of all, I don't really like the term road diet. I mean, I think it's again looking at this from a larger perspective. I think that our city government governments are underfunded. They're under resourced. Whoever thought of the word term road diet, God bless them and all that. But but I think that we could do better. I think that that there's another way of spinning or selling this, frankly, that is more meaningful. You know, obviously the just the word itself it it connotes kind of this punitive thing where where actually it's really I mean some of the things that they were talking about you know really made a lot of sense to me like this notion of making short trips and and all of that that's I mean that's literally all the biking that I can do that I will allow myself to do not entirely for physical reasons but just I can't be bothered after a certain point you know as much biking as I've done in in Los Angeles in my neighborhood the traffic conditions have gotten so horrendous that you know I I just can't be bothered at my my own personal uh, well-being and, and equilibrium are, are much more important than than how I get there in a certain way so but to your question to actually get really specific about what I what I understand and these are the facts there's a lot about what's gone on and is going in in Playa del Rey that I don't know about but one thing I do know that I learned secondhand is that this was a result of a lawsuit somebody died someone was killed by a motorist now th- from the get-go Personally, I think that's the wrong way to be creating governmental policy and social change in any environment. And and that, frankly, is standard operating procedure in Los Angeles. And I think that that's a problem. You know, we shouldn't be legislating through lawsuits. What I understand about what's going on there is simply a reaction as opposed to let's build upon something that maybe wasn't perfect um, and just react to it. Yeah, legislation by uh, lawsuits. That's the way we ha- the, our schools are, too, and probably a lot of other things, probably hospitals. So what other notes do you have? You know, one, one thing that they were also talking about was motorist behavior. That speaks to what I was saying before in terms of, you know, this whole mentality that we have, this psychology of one person, one car. You all were getting into this somewhat. You were sort of all dancing around the edge, but it really is kind of an addiction. It, it is an addiction that, that our city, and I guess by extension our county, has kind of in, endured. And we're not, at one point, I forget what what was said, but um, exactly, but it almost felt like it's as if, you know, someone were to blame a drunk driving accident on the bystander, almost. The, the real problem as I see it as a, a cyclist and a sometime motorist, is that... What they were doing was like that? Or who, well, who was doing? In terms of the, the some of the arguments I was hearing from their point of view, you know, this, this mentality of one person, one car... I mean, let, let me actually kind of take a step back and say that, you know, I've... In terms of what I'm trying to do, I'm a little he- hesitant or shy to, to use the word accomplish because I certainly can't do this by myself. And I'm, I've started a Facebook group and I want to plug that as well, definitely, um, called Hollywood Cyclists. Um, I just simply promote stuff that's going on in the neighborhood in a positive way about to improve cycling conditions and all things related to that in and around um, Hollywood. Uh, I just sort of had a brain fart, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I was talking about... Um, well, you were talking about addiction? Oh, addiction, right. Breaking this cycle. Yeah. In terms of the, the work that I'm doing, the advocacy I'm, I'm trying to, um, to engage in in Hollywood, I've made contact with officials, transit officials in, in Beverly Hills um, and Santa Monica, which in my mind are, are like, like, you know, picture perfect textbook 
comparisons for Hollywood. Hollywood, again, this is a fact I understand, is the most visited neighborhood place in the whole of Los Angeles by any measure at any point of the year. It is the number one attraction. Therefore, there are more cars, there are more people coming in and out of Hollywood at any point, any time or day. Now, Santa Monica and Beverly Hills are extremely similar. Santa Monica especially because Santa Monica is actually sort of bordered um, in a way by two freeways, as is Hollywood, although there's an ocean. Um, and there are also a lot of major, these major arteries. Beverly Hills is similar without the freeways, obviously, but with the arteries. Um, and certainly both, you know, have that attraction. Now, both municipalities have implemented what I consider terrific, admirable, forward-thinking bike policy in terms of bike lanes, Vision Zero infrastructure, etc. And I want to say this sarcastically, and I, well, I was going to say nobody died. I hope nobody's... I, I think it's been a very positive thing from my understanding. In other words, the reaction and, and the pushback that's happening, and again, I, I don't know that much about Playa del Rey, so I'm leery to kind of say too much about something I don't know that much about. I do know a certain amount about what's gone on or what's not going on, more importantly, on 6th Street. The effort to put kind of functional bike lanes on 6th Street, that has been sort of an exercise in a foregone conclusion. I'm using those words based on what my understanding of the quote-unquote powers that be or the people who were instrumenting, you know, there, there was no intention whatsoever to actually put bike lanes. It was just simply an effort. This is somewhat secondhand, but I've, I was involved in that because I put up a quote-unquote survey about that. Uh, the point is it was all kind of for naught, that, you know, there was no intention from my understanding to put bike lanes on, on on 6th Street at all. What? <laughs> I didn't I didn't hear about this. Can you just briefly explain that? Yeah. David Ryu, uh, the council person for that um, district, had put out a, a, a survey online to supposedly um, take the temperature of his constituents and others using 6th Street to test the viability of what if they put in bike lanes. Um, and the questioning, and I know I can say this because I, having gone through the survey, was really questionable. It was, it didn't seem like it was trying to um, to do anything. And, and, you know, apparently the results, and again, this is from what I've heard from other people's reaction who also took the survey online and they knew a little bit more um, about it, that it was it was a foregone conclusion that they were simply trying to, to brush this whole initiative aside. Okay. There's so much going on politically. David Ryu is part of a lot of it. Good guy, bad guy. Can you just... I can't comment much except he's, his district borders mine. And, and I think that's, quite frankly, that's a problem that we have in Hollywood because it literally divides the hills um, and people who live in the hills from the people who live in the lowlands, the, the valley, yeah, in Hollywood proper, the, the commercial district. So that's a problem right there. Okay, anything else you want to touch on? You wanted to talk about the LACBC event? Yeah, or? yeah uh, just a quick plug. Operation Firefly is happening this coming Wednesday night, the 17th, I believe, um, from 4.30 to 7. They are, are still very eager to find folks to volunteer for that. It's a great event to just raise awareness in terms of proper bike protocol, riding at night, 
night. You want to explain Firefly real quick? Uh, I don't know that much about it. So I did, I've done it. They stop people who are riding without lights and give them lights. Yeah, and they're, they're real menches. They're real super do-gooders just on that alone um, and forget everything else that they do. Um, what time? Uh, I believe it starts at 4.30 in the afternoon just before sunset and ends at 7. And it's at Hollywood and Western. Um, also our Facebook group, Hollywood Cyclists, please join anybody can. You don't have to be my quote unquote friend or anybody else's on Facebook, Hollywood or facebook.com, uh, backslash groups, backslash Hollywood hyphen cyclists. All right. Well, it's been great to get to know you, Alexander. Thanks for coming by. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 